How dare the Republicans even think about impeaching Joe Biden, right? Because after all, there is no evidence, zero. It's all been debunked. No evidence of any corruption. There's mountains of it, mountains of it, more than enough to justify an impeachment inquiry. You know, I can take it when Democrats, they want to play a partisan game, but when the media, they say there's no evidence, how about looking for some? What they haven't found is any evidence that President Biden, you know, did favors for Hunter Biden's clients or that he benefited in any way. There's been no evidence of ties to the president or any uh, evidence of any wrongdoing on the part of Joe Biden. There's no evidence so far that ties Joe Biden to any of this, uh, at least nothing that they have brought forward. There is zero evidence of any malfeasance on the part of President Joe Biden. I, it's everywhere you look. It's undeniable. This stinks. And for those smug reporters, a few of them in there, to just sit there and they're totally content, totally complacent, as if it must be presented to them. You know, what happened to Woodward and Bernstein going around, knocking on doors, looking through paperwork, right, trying to find the evidence? No, the media have become big, fat, dumb and stupid. Uh, more on the evidence, but now that the impeachment inquiry seems to be underway, the media, they have to cover it, right? Not really. <laughs> what they're going to do is cover the process of it all and try to make it somehow uh, a problem for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, some of the key questions, will Republicans vote to formalize the inquiry? All right. What's the other key question? Will impeachment placate McCarthy's conservative critics? You see, it's all about, you know, taking down Kevin McCarthy. No, this is about Joe Biden's alleged misconduct, possibly criminal misconduct, Hunter. But they make it all about, you know, this little This is perfect. Watch this. If you watch cable news as they talk about impeachment, they don't talk about what Joe Biden may or may not have done. Uh, they talk about it this way. The House Speaker unintentionally boxed himself in here. You're right, two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago, saying that he would absolutely hold a vote if he was going to open an impeachment inquiry, highlighting the fact that the American people uh, need to be represented on the floor, contrasting uh, the moves of then-Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi during the two impeachment inquiries into the former president when she had opened them. Ultimately, after the first one, she did hold a vote about five weeks in on to actually formally conduct the impeachment. McCarthy today defending the flip-flop. Did anybody understand anything you just said? It's all this intermural, I don't know what the heck it's about. Something about a flip-flop. Kevin McCarthy's in trouble here. All right, does she take a breath and actually spell out what's happening, what Joe Biden's accused of? Let's see. He proposed some dates to members, I'm told, but did not ultimately settle on anything except to say that the Senate is going to jam them if the House is an act first, including passing those appropriations bills. But of course, both of these issues are becoming tied together as he works to appease one faction of his party uh, against the other. Uh, what? There is a real chance that Joe Biden may have sold out his country. And somehow it's Kevin McCarthy's fault, right? They're talking about impeachment inquiry, the politics of, I mean, I don't know what, but that's what passes for journalism now, right? Inside Capitol Hill, gossip, this person said this, and this person said this about you. What about Joe and Hunter, right? What did Joe say about Hunter? The smartest man I ever met in my life. They talk every single day. Hunter Biden, right? 
got some problems, big time. But this is the man that was doing business all over the world. We know this now. He frequently traveled with his father as vice president. And what about these text messages? This is just a sliver of what we're dealing with here. The message to a senior industrialist in China with ties to the Communist Party, Mr. Zhao. Do you remember the WhatsApp messages? These have not been debunked. These are real. What about, hey, were you with Hunter when these messages were sent? Hunter to Mr. Zhao. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Hmm. Next, please. Tell the director I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. Yikes. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, very clever, okay, very clever, right? You're the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. All right. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. We could talk about that or we could talk about Kevin McCarthy's feud with Matt Gates. right? <laughs> What's more important? This is dynamite stuff. They pretend it's not. The House Oversight Committee has established that at least, at least $3 million transferred from various Chinese interests to various LLCs in America, and the money made its way to, well, everybody in the Biden family, not Joe, which is kind of incriminating in itself, right? Haley Biden, uh, Hunter's ex-wife, uh, girlfriend, uh, uh, sister-in-law, grandchildren. Everybody's getting money except Joe. I think they have it set up that way. Got to show you this, too. 2017. Joe Biden makes how much money in 2017? $11 million. That's his first year post-vice presidency, right? Now, at that point, nobody thought Joe was going to be president, even Joe. It was time to cash in. He can't account for this money, actually. How did he make it? Off of speeches and a book deal for a lame duck vice president, a lame vice president like Joe? No. Mm -mm. No way. And this does not wash. So, so to confirm, you're saying that the speakerphone conversations, they don't seem concerning to you because there is no specifics about business. And it just seemed like it was clear that it was clear that it was as part of the daily conversations that Hunter Biden had with his father. Um, and it was and, and sounded like most of the time uh, now President Biden didn't even know who the people he was at dinner. He was just asked to say hello. Uh, and he would, you know, talk about the, the way he described it several times. They asked over and over and over. He described what the weather was, how, uh, how, what's going on on your end. He, the, the witness was very, very consistent that none of those conversations ever had to do with any business dealings or transactions. They were purely what he called casual conversations. Casual conversations with a bunch of mysterious oligarchs overseas with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. We all know what was going on. It was a signal. This is the power I have access to. We understand the amateurs at the White House. I don't know if they're amateurs or they're very, very sinister. This guy, Ian Sams, that they're trotting out a lot. He's the new spokesman on all things corruption. And according to him, not a problem with any of this. Why was the president at those meetings, on those uh, phone calls? 
Well, again, I think this is part of the right wing's misinformation machine to try to confuse people uh, about what the truth is. The truth is that the president, as he has said publicly for years, uh, calls his family every day to check in. He calls his son every day to check in. He calls his other family members to check in to see how they're doing. He loves them. They're, they're a tight knit family. So insulting, by the way, a total rat lack of respect for the American people. This guy works for the White House to say that to our faces. You know, before he was born, you and I both know that Joe Biden was a national joke. He was. You know, Joe Biden had to quit that 1988 campaign in total disgrace because he was caught in lie after lie after lie. He's still doing it. National joke. Take it away, Johnny. Now, on, on the political scene, uh, one of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says... Not to worry, he reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. Johnny Carson, take it away, Johnny. I should have said, here's Johnny. Uh, that was back when we had a, a culture, back when our country did not have a, a rotten, thoroughly corrupt, sick, establishment going down the tubes, and we have one right now. Back then, they'd call out a fraud like Joe Biden. Today, I mean, anything goes, literally. So, you know that Democrats defend this. They do. That this is somehow a civil right. And that those of us who are not on board, right, we're somehow transphobes, those of us who don't think that drag queens should be hanging around children in school during school hours, reading to them, or in public libraries, that this might be a problem, we're the problem, according to Democrats. We are just so uncool, so close-minded, so whatever. The Republican Party knows that their base likes to be afraid. And so they do crime. They do, you know, you could be turned gay by going to a drag show. They create a fake moral panic over drag shows. So what is Drag Queen Story Hour? Frankly, it's exactly what it sounds like. Drag queens reading children's stories to kids in libraries and bookstores and schools. It's a way of celebrating diversity. Speaking of drag queens, can, can we stop with the grooming stuff? Can you stop talking about that? Drag queens are not at a school to groom your kids. So what on earth are they doing in the schools? What is the possible conceivable justification for this monstrosity, right? What is it? Now, this culture right now that says this is okay also says that Joe Biden is completely innocent, that there's no evidence. And this at the White House, by the way, you've seen this before. The, um, I mean, come on, right? This is fine. This is cool. Joe Biden is innocent. In this culture, you'll have an easier time coming out as LGBTQIA than you would coming out and saying Joe Biden is guilty or that God is God and Christ is his son. Yeah. That is highly discouraged, and they have actually made it such that 
so many people are afraid to talk about the ultimate gift that is available to all of us, all of us, and we so desperately need it. But this is being chased out of the public square, chased out of the even private places. It could help everybody. I think this is our solution to people, misguided people. Believe me, I've made so many mistakes. And I can tell you this woman's making a mistake right now, uh, the one in Virginia who, uh, well, she's saying that her privacy has been violated. You've heard about her, right? Uh, she's running for the Virginia State House. It's been discovered that she was performing sex acts online for audiences of up to 6,000 people. She's running for office. Okay, her online past is fair game. This is not revenge porn. This is not some jerk and they had intimate moments that were documented. She did this in front of 6,000 people. This is what 6,000 people look like. She had 6,000 followers online, she and her husband. Um, and she's mad at Republicans that this has become a story. The left is supporting her. Politico says, so what if a candidate live streams sex acts with her husband for 6,000 people? So what? Republicans just don't get it. You know, I have this theory that they're defending all of this absurd, whack job stuff to distract from the corruption that they've been engaged in all along for decades, even centuries, in Washington and beyond. I'd like to show you something. Joe Biden, before he got into politics, lived in this very fine home. It's a decent house in Wilmington in 1971. After 50 years or so in politics, when he leaves the vice presidency in 2017, he has all this stuff. He got rich in politics. And do you think they're drawn to it by public service? No, they want power, fame, and money. They all do. Bill Clinton, look at the cottage he lived in when he was elected to state attorney general. Spent his whole life in politics right up until he left the presidency in 2001, and then he moved into uh, a multi-million dollar estate in New York, had access to a Hamptons house, flying all over the world on a private jet. It goes on and on like this. Barack Obama, uh, when he started his rise, he was living in a pretty dank apartment. He leaves office. Where does he move into? All right. He's got the Martha's Vineyard thing. He's got the place in Hawaii. He's got a place in Chicago. He's got... He's got it all going on, right? It's fascinating. They accused Trump of corruption. Let's take a look at the places where he lived. In 1985, what, 30-plus years before he became president, he had Mar-a-Lago. And after the presidency, <laughs> he has the same house. He doesn't upgrade. He had all this stuff ahead of time. Next, please. Uh, 2002, he acquired Bedminster, right? He leaves the presidency. He still has Bedminster. It goes on like this. Trump Tower, 1983. He goes back to the same house. I just proved to you he did not profit. He did not profit. In fact, there are some estimates that he may have lost a billion dollars by being president. Uh, another example. Bush is a hard one to kind of peg. He, George W. Bush. He was, he was rich, son of a president and all that stuff. But talk about swamp. Have you ever seen this? This is 1992. His old man is running for re-election, and I think he could have been buddies with Hunter Biden, actually, if they knew each other. Watch. When you're the president's son and you've got unlimited access, combined with some credentials from a prior campaign, 
in Washington, D.C., people tend to respect that. I mean, access is power. And uh, I can find my dad and talk to him any time of the day. Drain that swamp <laughs> and impeach that man. When we come back, hero Congressman James Comer. I wonder what the impeachment means for his committee, the impending inquiry. We'll be right back. You served your country. Now get the benefits you've earned. Paul R. Lawrence, the former Undersecretary of Benefits for the VA, reveals the secrets of getting what you deserve. Be approved for disability. Use valuable education credits. Buy a new home. Find a job. Even discover little-known benefits. It's all in the new Veterans Benefits for You at bookstores everywhere. Or see the free offer. Act today. All right, Joe Biden. Um, the impeachment inquiry is uh, is coming, is coming. And you know what? Some key Democrats, maybe they smell blood in the water. There's a guy named David Ignatius. He's a big time columnist in Washington, D.C. And he came out today and said President Biden should not run again in 2024. I don't think Biden and Vice President Harris should run for reelection. And he cites <laughs> some key reasons. Hunter and Burisma, Hunter and China and all those shenanigans and Joe Biden phoning Hunter during dinner with foreign oligarchs. David Ignatius, prominent liberal columnist, weighing in. And I wonder what James Comer, the congressman, the chair of the House Oversight Committee, you know, uh, welcome back, Congressman. How are you, first of all? I'm well. What did you make of that? Is that a big deal? Because let's face it, we've had a hard time. You've had a hard time kind of breaking the Democrats, getting their attention, the Democrat media. That seems like it's pretty significant. That's a big deal. I mean, you look at the CNN poll uh, a week and a half ago that said 63% of Americans believe that Joe Biden was involved in his family's schemes. So what's happened is the Americans are getting their news from alternative sources, uh, even though the mainstream media including the Washington Post, hasn't given this investigation justice. Now I think they realize that the American people are curious and the American people have using have been uh, investigating this. And they realize it's not normal for a vice president's family to receive millions and millions of dollars from foreign nationals. And for the vice president, now our current president, to not be able to identify one single thing that the family members did to receive the money. That's simple for most Americans to realize. Now the media realizes that Joe Biden's polls are in the toilet. And then I think the straw that broke the camel's back was Ian Sams, who's the White House spokesperson. He's their lap dog that goes out and attacks me and Jim Jordan all the time. He got on the press yesterday in a panic after this uh, impeachment inquiry was announced and said the press wasn't doing a good enough job defending Joe Biden. Look, that's all the press has done is defend Joe Biden. And I think that was like Barney Fife waving an empty gun at Otis, the town drunk in Mayberry. I think that was the moment The Washington Post said enough. OK, Joe Biden can't answer for how his family got millions of dollars. Uh, this is obviously not going to go away. Let's just go ahead and cut bait now and run and try to find an alternative next year in the presidential election. Yeah, that young man is in way over his head. Although he did say, look, uh, oh, James Comer, he's bragging about Joe Biden going down in the polls. Now, we did just talk about that, but 
I actually think that's okay. I mean, you're uncovering the truth about Joe Biden. The people need to know it. And quite frankly, if this softens him up for reelection, somebody like this should not be reelected. So there's value here in driving those poll numbers lower. I'm basically trying to defend against that talking point. Uh, how do you see it? Well, look, we're not talking about Joe Biden's a bad person. We're not talking about Joe Biden's policies have been disastrous. He's created massive inflation. We're talking about Joe Biden took money from our enemies. And you look at all the investigations of presidents in the in the past, you look at the impeachments of various presidents, nothing has ever been about a president taking bribes, a president's family on the take, a president's family violating the laws and this president's administration at every turn and every agency covering it up. I think this is one of the most serious political scandals in my lifetime. I can't think of anything worse from a politician at this high of a level. And I think the American people have seen this. And I think that the, the Biden administration and the Biden spokespeople, they have had ample time to try to explain where the money came from and why Joe Biden wasn't truthful about all the times he said he never met with or spoke to any of these crooks in these adversarial countries yeah. who have been sending his family millions and millions of dollars. And I think when the American people see the, the Joe Biden was using pseudonyms for over 5,000 emails that he was secretly communicating with his son about policies affecting uh, the son's financial ability, I think they realized that uh, everything Joe Biden said about his knowledge and involvement of his family's shady business dealings has been a lie. And I think the American people are fed up with it. I think the Washington Post realizes that. I think CBS News realizes that. And honestly, I think CNN realizes that. I got to get you th on a couple of things. Number one, the text messages. We've had them now for a while, especially the WhatsApp message. I am sitting here with my father. Have you been able to determine, um, you know, by your geolocation, you know, GPS? I mean, was Joe Biden in that house with Hunter on July 30th of 2017? Uh, that seems like it would be significant. They've done nothing to debunk this. In fact, the lawyers, Hunter's lawyers, actually seem to confirm its authenticity. Was, Hunt, was Joe Biden there with Hunter, as he says? My gut tells me no, or he would have put him on the phone because he put him on the phone over a dozen times with these people. So there's a precedent for Hunter Biden putting his father on the phone. Now, his father may have been with him, and we're trying to find that. Uh, that's one thing that the impeachment inquiry will give us the ability to do, to be able to access more information, more evidence, cell phone records, cell phone bills, things of, of that sort. This impeachment inquiry gives us that ability to obtain those documents now to further our, our evidence. But uh, my gut says he wasn't there because uh, Devin Archer testified that he put his father on the phone at least, at least over a dozen times. That could have been 40 or 50 times. So, uh, yeah, I think if Hunter had had his dad on the phone beside him, he would have put him on the phone. And Joe Biden always talked to these people, even though well, he's lied to the American people for years about it. You know what, though? In those calls, it was always platitudes and generalities. You know what I mean? And this time they're fired up. You know, <laughs> and it was a signal that he was there. I'm not saying that those calls weren't... Um, uh, uh, inculpatory. So let me ask you this finally, um, sir. The impeachment inquiry, does that stop the oversight 
committee work? Does it fuse? What happens? Now we're going to continue. It gives us a tool uh, as we undoubtedly head to court uh, to be able to require the judge to rule faster. It gives us the ability to obtain more documents. Uh, this is something that, as you know, throughout this investigation, uh, we've been obstructed by the Treasury Department. We've been obstructed by Secret Service, by the IRS, and certainly by the Department of Justice and by National Archives. This now gives us the tool for these agencies not to be able to obstruct. Once we request this information, they have to turn it over now because we are in impeachment inquiry. So this was a huge asset to our investigation. We proved to the uh, uh, American people that uh, there have been many crimes committed by the president's right. family, and the president has been truthful. He has not been truthful with the American people about his knowledge and involvement with the family. Now we want to go further and continue to follow the money, and that's going to require looking at the Biden's personal bank accounts, and that's where we're headed now. Thank you very much, sir. Very, very much. To be continued, Congressman James Comer. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. It's the dead of night. You're lying in bed. Suddenly you hear something go bump. What is your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. The new MC-14 tip-up pistol from EAA Corp. And Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength, disabilities, or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this. The MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodnight to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back down, and you're ready to fire. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP, boosting a 13-plus-1 round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense, complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience. Available with all EAA Corp. distributors, starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit EAACorp.com today. That's EAACorp.com. Newsmax. Shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. All right, that's Aaron Rodgers going down about 90 seconds into the game the other night. The quarterback, $70 million deal. Uh, season goes up in flames in 90 seconds. He ruptured his Achilles tendon, something like that. I totally saw this coming. I said it out loud. I can prove it to you tomorrow night. I'll find the tape. It's out there somewhere. This was going to be a disaster. He lost the eye of the tiger. A competitive quarterback can't be all happy and goofy all the time. And something happened to this guy. And I think I know what it was. Um, drugs. Yeah. He got involved in psychedelics. This ayahuasca tea, something like that, that gives you this, you know, ooh, I love you, bro, kind of uh, mentality. Uh, it's, um, it's not good. And he took it and he encouraged others to do the same. And I thought it was a very harmful message. The negative framework sure. of it is that that is the experience, not the deep and meaningful and crazy uh, mind-expanding uh, possibilities, and also deep self-love and healing that can that can happen on the other side. One of the core tenets of your mental health is that self-love, and 
that's what ayahuasca did for me. It was help me see how to unconditionally love myself. And it's only in that unconditional self-love that then I'm able to truly be able to unconditionally love others. Mm -hmm. What? Um, how about going to church? <laughs> Whatever the hell he's talking about, ayahuasca tea is a crummy substitute for God. All right? I'm sorry, but this stuff comes from who knows where, and you drink it and you totally trip out. And look, scientists have actually come up with a list of side effects. You ready? Uh, ooh, they're pretty bad. Uh, psychedelic effects of ayakushka tea may com comprise vomiting and or diarrhea. Adverse effects include fear, paranoia, disequilibrium, coma, up to death. No, thank you. It, another uh, side effect is screwing up on the big game on the football field 90 seconds into the game. I wonder if he's going to enjoy that tea while he sits on the bench, huh? Bad news, bad information from him. Sorry, he's going to be fine, by the way, all right? He's got millions and millions of dollars. His house is the size of an airport terminal. So uh, goodbye, Aaron Rodgers. Lay off that tea. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. Take a look. Kim Jong-un with Vladimir Putin meeting today in Russia. Uh, this can't be good for the United States. And neither was Joe Biden's uh, disastrous performance at that press conference in Vietnam. Everything seems very unsteady in the world to me. Contrast that to, compare and contrast that to the Trump years. Here's President Trump in the Situation Room with his national security team. Uh, the individual on the far left, that is Robert O'Brien, Donald Trump's national security advisor. And he joins us once again. We're honored to have you back, sir. Welcome. How are you? Doing well. Great to be with you, Greg. Hey, overall, <laughs> the status of the world is, is what? Uh, we saw, you heard me maybe, uh, the shaky performance of Joe Biden, Ukraine war, Kim Jong-un. Are we at red alert, uh, yellow alert? How would you kind of characterize things if you were briefing the president right now? Well, what I've said recently is that this is probably the most dangerous time in world history since the 1930s and the lead up to World War II. And, and one of the reasons it's so dangerous is America's displaying weakness. Now, I, I don't think America is fundamentally weak, but when you look at the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, that catastrophe, when you look at the failure to deter Putin from invading Ukraine, when you look at the spy balloon that the Chinese floated over the width and breadth of this country, stopping to linger over our nuclear sites, and now you look at the $6 billion ransom payment to Iran for a couple of hostages, uh, America just looks very weak right now, and, uh, and that's provocative for our adversaries. So it's, it's a dangerous time for the country, and uh, we need to turn that around very quickly. And the weakness is emanating, let's face it, from Joe Biden. That's what he's projecting. And you mentioned Ukraine and China. We know, although much of the media does not acknowledge his entanglements through his son with Ukraine, through his son with China, all the business, are our adversaries and our allies, they're aware of this, right? And they know that Joe Biden, I mean, almost by definition, is compromised. I mean, do they realize, do they perceive us, do they perceive this as a weakness for Joe Biden, these situations, you know, that he's got going? 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they, they, they follow the, the American politics and the legal cases that are, that are pending here. But what they do watch is, is our actions as a country, and our actions as a country have been very weak. When you look at China, after the spy balloon, instead of cutting the Chinese off, we've sent four cabinet secretaries to China to kowtow to them. Uh, Joe Biden said we're not trying to contain China. Well, we sure as heck should be trying to contain the Communist Party of China. I mean, the Chinese people are great. We love them, but they're, they're under the boot of, the, of a dictatorship led by Xi Jinping. And so the idea that we're not trying to contain China, that we're not trying to have victory over the Chinese Communist Party, that, that's a, the wrong message to send to our adversaries and to our partners. Well, I kind of that's kind of what I mean, because we know that Joe Biden has been established by the House Oversight Committee, got 17 million bucks. The family did various entities from Ukraine, uh, three million dollars, at least from China. And why would he be making these crazy weak um, displays to someone like uh, President Xi? Could it be because of this stuff? I mean, this factors in when you guys are talking about world affairs the individual profiles of world leaders and their vulnerabilities and even their finances, that's part of the equation, isn't it? Well, look, we always look at those sorts of things when we're going to have an interaction with a foreign leader and we look at their political standing in, in their own country, what they're facing. And Kevin McCarthy has said that there's going to be an impeachment inquiry that's going to certainly harm the president. Just like the impeachment inquiries against President Trump, which were, were baseless, uh, we're a distraction for our team. And so our, our adversaries take pleasure in that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And we'll see what the House comes up with in their inquiry. And that's going to be hard on Biden. But I think our adversaries are looking at also at the underfunding of our military. They're looking at our, our reactions to the, the Chinese spy balloon. They're looking at the, our reactions to the, the Ukraine war, where we said we were going to put maximum pressure on Russia. And yet we never sanction the Russian Federation Central Bank. We haven't kicked him out of the SWIFT system. And, and the, some people are saying that Putin has personally made more money for, since the war started because oil and gas prices have gone up, notwithstanding the, the sanctions against him. So he's gotten rich on this war because oil has gone up and he's, Russia's still producing and selling oil. We've got to cut that off. But again, th this is a sign of weakness by the Biden administration. So Putin was with Kim Jong-un. And somehow, I think... I'm relieved, and I think it even is more significant now that Donald Trump met with Kim Jong-un. You know, the State Department lost their minds. Much of the national security establishment thought this was bad. But Donald Trump with Kim Jong-un, somehow I feel better about this meeting. Like, we already met with him. Um, does that make any sense? And, and what do you make of the meeting between the two leaders? No, it makes a lot of sense. When President Trump took office, the Obama administration briefed him and said that your biggest national security challenge is going to be North Korea. You're going to be at war with North Korea in a year. And President Trump took a hard, very hard line. You'll remember he talked about his button being bigger than Kim Jong-un's button, and he called him Little Rocket Man. And the foreign policy establishment, they started wetting their beds over it, and you know, we can't be belligerent. And what happened? Kim Jong-un realized, hey, this is a tough guy. I better come to the table. And instead of him cavorting with the Chinese or the Russians, he was talking to us. And during that whole period of time, the North Koreans didn't do one nuclear test, and they stopped launching their ballistic missiles over Japan. So we saw a lot of success in President Trump's approach. Now we're seeing just the opposite. The North Koreans are ignoring us and, and working with the Russians. And, and according to press reports, they're going to provide the Russians with thousands and thousands of art artillery shells that they can use to, to bomb Ukraine. So. Uh, not a good situation. It's kind of like a meeting of Bond villains that, uh, in, in Moscow today, but uh, obviously a very different situation than when we were, we were in office.
if uh, President Trump should go back and come back as president, I'm personally hoping that happens. Uh, would you come back, sir, in some capacity? When the president asks you to do something, you salute and say, uh, yes, sir. And so we'll, we'll see what President Trump decides. But uh, I'll certainly serve, serve the country and him, you know, if, that, if that's what he's interested in. All right. Well, the word is that he was very impressed with your performance and he's very impressed with you. Robert O'Brien, many, many thanks. Former National Security thank Advisor to President Trump and maybe future. Who knows? Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. While I'm not running for re-election, I'm not retiring from the fight. I'll be your United States Senator until January of 2025. I will keep working on these and other issues, and I'll advance our state's numerous priorities. I look forward to working with you and with folks across our state and nation in that endeavor. See you, Mitt. <laughs> we will not miss Mitt Romney. His message to the people of Utah and beyond that he's not running for re-election. Uh, President Trump's reaction is priceless. Fantastic news for America, the great state of Utah, and for the Republican Party. Mitt Romney, sometimes referred to as Pierre Delecto, <laughs> will not be seeking a second term in the U.S. Senate, where he did not serve with distinction. A big primary fight against him was in the offing, but now that will not be necessary. Congrats to all. Make America great again. I love it. I love it. Pierre Delecto, that sounds very familiar. More on that in a moment. Trent Staggs, the mayor of Riverton, Utah, joins us. He is running for the United States Senate, running for the Republican nomination. His life may have gotten, I don't know, uh, more uh, simpler, more complicated, but... Welcome back, uh, Mr. Mayor. What's your reaction to Mitt Romney dropping out? Well, I think it was uh, somewhat expected. I mean, as I've been traveling the state, we announced three and a half months ago, we picked up so much traction. That's what we've heard is that Mitt Romney was not representing principles, the values of Utahns. Uh, they knew me with my 10-year track record as an elected official, that I could do just that. that I am the America First candidate uh, and and. I think he saw the writing on the wall. So we're just, uh, this is an exciting day for us. We're ready to move forward. And uh, we we want everybody to just coalesce around our campaign. We are the MAGA candidate. We were called that on MSNBC just today. And uh, we're proud of that. We've endorsed, I have endorsed wholeheartedly President Trump. And uh, we're, we're ready to replace what was President Trump's biggest critic with his biggest ally in me. Awesome. By the way, you are endorsed uh, by Charlie Kirk and Mark Levin, uh, two awesome individuals. Um, let me ask you this, though. Are you worried about Jason Chaffetz or Brad Wilson? Jason Chaffetz, of course, the former congressman. He's thinking about jumping in. Brad Wilson. I mean, let's face it, with him out of the picture, there's probably going to be more competition for this uh, nomination. Yeah, there could very well be. I mean, we're expecting that. But, hey, it's not going to change the way we're campaigning. I think anybody that comes in at this point, it really just had lacked the courage to step in and take on Mitt Romney. I've demonstrated that. Uh, I'm very a bold conservative. That's what Utahns want. That's what Americans want. That's what we deserve right now. We have got to get back there and push back against the establishment. I am so looking forward to working with President Trump on Agenda 47 here and just pushing that forward because we have got to make a change here. Absolutely need that change. So let's talk about Mitt Romney for a bit, huh? I mean, I, I think he's 
pretty weird. I mean, just going from Massachusetts to Utah, governor and then senator of another. I mean, that's kind of arrogant. 2012, he runs for president, loses. Donald Trump gives him money. He begs Donald Trump for a job in 2016, doesn't get it. Yet Donald Trump endorses him for the Senate. Um, let's see. And Mitt Romney votes twice on that phony impeachment stuff. Have you ever met Mitt Romney? Yeah, just I have. I have. And he uh, been campaigning, as you as you just put, he moved to Utah a few years back. He really sought the support of mayors like myself and, and ran on a platform of saying, we're going to put you on a palace on, on a balanced budget. We're going to stop spending and illegal immigration. And then, as you point out, I mean, he just petulantly would refuse to work with President Trump and build the border wall. He votes for Mayorkas. He votes for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. He votes for trillions more in spending. And that's something that Utahns just simply do not want. And uh, I think he knew. He saw the writing on the wall. We have been calling out his record every single day. We've been calling out the fact that he has been so uh, against President Trump. And that seems to be the only thing that energizes Mitt is to really go after the president. He'd come out with these statements, this op-ed recently, that just trying to get everybody, all the donor base, to not fund a, quote, Trump plurality. Uh, we pushed back hard on that and said, absolutely not. We need to support President Trump. We need his leadership back in the White House now more than ever. And again, I'd be happy to be in D.C. right now, right now, so we can move that agenda forward again. We can go ahead and vote on this impeachment of this Biden crime family, President Biden, and we need to be able to advance this America first agenda again. Pierre Delecto, that was the name of his anonymous Twitter account. He got busted on that. It was very strange. The elevator in the garage, uh, the dog on the roof of the uh, car. <laughs> I mean, there, he's an oddball, let's face it. Um, and I think he's very bitter that he didn't win in 2012, which was a winnable race. He let everybody down. There wouldn't have been Donald Trump, quite frankly, if uh, Mitt Romney had won that race, when you think about it. Um, all right. Final. Go ahead. I'm sorry. That yeah, was. I know you. you're absolutely. You're absolutely right. Thanks for that. Hey, by the way, uh, this is all predicted by our guy John Gizzy. Uh, he's our Washington correspondent, one of the main ones down there. He uh, predicted that Romney was likely to retire. All right. Final words, sir. Um, Brad Wilson and Jason Chaffetz. Do you have anything bad to say about him? Anything good to say about him? Well, we. We know that there's going to be an establishment candidate that will come forward, you know, the Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, that they'll, they'll try to support. And, uh, you know, this this Brad Wilson is, uh, I think, typifies the establishment here in the state of Utah. That's not what Utahns want. It's not what Americans want. They're looking for somebody who is authentically Utah and consistently conservative, someone who's an outsider like I am. And I've demonstrated time and time again that I can stand up to the establishment. I mean, look, we're $33 trillion in debt. We can't do this anymore. Enough is enough. We have to have people there with backbone. They're going to push back. That's me. Ask for support at TrendStags.com. We've received now support from people across all 50 states. We are the America First candidate, and we are going to win this. Good luck. Trent Staggs, we appreciate it. Mitt Romney, uh, goodbye. Uh, he'll have more time to, uh, I guess, practice his French, right? French. Uh, we'll see you later. Thank you, and we'll be right back. She's back. 
my younger daughter, Madeline. We didn't get a good enough look. I think this is the best part, right? Look at her, how happy she is. And that beautiful lemony suit she's wearing, a hand-me-down. She doesn't want to go to bed, though. You want to go to bed? No. You sure? You want to go to bed? No. Just one year old. I love you, and I'll be home soon. The Rice Squad with Chris Plant is next.